Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here today for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It's Thursday, November 24th, 2022, Thanksgiving Day, and our catechesis today will look at two readings that have to do with uh, Thanksgiving and riches and wealth and how God has blessed us, which of course are all the themes running through um, this day. Uh, you can watch last evening's Divine Service on the eve of Thanksgiving. Uh, it's available on all the platforms listed below in the description. And also, uh, so that's YouTube and Twitch and Odyssey and Rumble, uh, podcast, all podcast platforms. So if you want to just listen to the audio, which is actually my preferred way of doing it, um, that's available as well as the sermon as a separate uh, video and audio available uh, in most of those places. All right. And then uh, today we are going to do something like what we do on Saturday. So we'll look at the look at two readings and meditate upon them together. All right. Let us begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Okay, memory verse for this week. It'll actually be the memory verse for next week, so you've got plenty of chance to learn it here. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. 1 John 3, verse 2. Our psalm is Psalm 92. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this, that though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right. Our catechism this week and next. It's a short week for the kids, so we'll do some repetition here this week. It is the Lord's Prayer introduction. 
Our Father who art in heaven. What does this mean? With these words, God tenderly invites us to believe that he is our true Father, and that we are his true children, so that, with all boldness and confidence, we may ask him, as dear children ask their dear Father. What's the first petition? Hallowed be thy name. What does this mean? God's name is certainly holy in itself, but we pray in this petition that it may be kept holy among us also. How is God's name kept holy? God's name is kept holy when the word of God is taught in its truth and purity, and we as the children of God also lead holy lives according to it. Help us to do this, dear Father in heaven. But anyone who teaches or lives contrary to God's word profanes the name of God among us. Protect us from this, heavenly Father. All right, our first reading is from Proverbs chapter 2. Some wisdom literature here for this day. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity, and every good path. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you, to to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things from those who leave the paths of righteousness, or uprightness, excuse me, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and whose devious, who are devious in their paths, to deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house leads down to death and her paths to the dead. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you may walk in the way of goodness, and keep to the paths of righteousness. The upright will dwell in the land, and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth, and the unfaithful be uprooted from it. All right, you might ask, why is this appointed for today? Why are we reading this bit about wisdom, and wisdom as a uh, faithful woman? That's the first section, right? Um, you seek her as silver, right? All that language of the, of the feminine, right? And uh, she gives wisdom, and from her mouth come, well, actually, the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, comes knowledge and understanding. What comes forth from her is wisdom, or from him, I should say, is her. Uh, but notice, the adulteress is is actually the way of the wicked, is the un, the paths of darkness, right? Evil and perversity and all of those things. Right? So we have the, the contrasting women to whom we're bound, right? Um, This is appointed for today because of the end of the gospel text from last night. So he who lays up treasure for himself, so it is for he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God, right? Now, what does it mean to be rich toward God, right? To seek wisdom as silver, search for her as for hidden treasures, right? To store up the wisdom and knowledge Uh, and the words that come from his mouth as our greatest treasure. Namely, we know his name, 
Jesus, right? We heard that in the sermon last night. Luther uses this text uh, just in a few places, and uh, there's not it's not used in our Lutheran confessions, uh, but in Luther's brief confession concerning the Holy Sacrament, uh, this is actually a pretty significant work because um, this is the outgrowth of the Marburg uh, colloquy, uh, and then the articles that followed that, that was in re- response to um, the radical reformers who denied the presence of Christ, body and blood in the supper. And then also, um, this is at the end of his life, it's in 1544, so um, he, he knows he's near death, and he wants um, to lay down legitimately again here a confession of, of the sacrament. All right. Uh, the other person that would be interesting is not the Swiss, but another guy named uh, Schwinkfeld, um, who had been one of Luther's devoted followers, but then had come to a, a different confession of the Lord's Supper. All right. So again, um, he Luther recognizes that it's actually the most difficult way to confess uh, the Lord's Supper as we confess it. That, and, we, and we would argue according to the scriptures, but no more, no less. Right, so there are those who believe that it's Christ's body and blood, but they get there through Aristotle using philosophy, which isn't actually helpful and in, in, uh, in a way because it actually, well, it doesn't put your whole sufficiency in God's word. Um, there are those who come to the Lord's Supper being kind of a spiritual presence, and that would be more of the Calvinistic flair. They also get to it through Aristotle, uh, so they use the same philosophy um, but come to a different conclusion. Uh, then there are those who use reason to deny that Christ is present at all in the sacrament. Actually, I don't know how reasonable that is, um, but they use their doubts to govern them, right? And that's the more radical reformers. It's not present. Well, they use Aristotle too. It's not present for Christ's body to be present in the in the sacrament because that would be to deny the substance of, of the bread and wine, this sort of thing. Um, so Luther's, uh, he, it wouldn't be called the middle way, but it's the way of the scriptures, is the hardest because we only say what the scripture says and leave it at that. What does Jesus say? Right? And that's what we believe. How can this be? <laughs> Darn if I know, um, just by the word, just what he says it is, right? I don't know the mechanics of it or the science of it or the philosophy that can justify it. I only know what Jesus said, right? And so that's Luther's position. So I'm going to read the beginning of this brief confession concerning the Holy Sacrament. Uh, it's, I say it's brief, but it's, Oh, let's see here. It goes to page 318, and it starts on page 283, 287, excuse me. So uh, it's like 50 pages. (laughs) No, 34 pages, something like that. Listen to the beginning here, though. Brief Brief confession concerning the Holy Sacrament. Grace and peace in the Lord. My dear friend, that Schwenkfeld is circulating my letter to and fro together with his Eutychians and slanders of the sacrament is maligning me behind my back. I won't explain what a Eutychian is. It's fine for now. I must believe, because you have now just sent me a copy of the same letter which you have received, it pleases me that he is circulating this letter for the sake of his honor and good name and for the sake of my dishonor and shame. For that reason, too, I did not wish to seal the letter but left it open. Neither did I address it to him but to his messenger, for I did not want to honor his name." For such a damned slanderer is, is, God willing, not that important to me that I would address one letter of the alphabet to him or talk to him or see him or hear him. This is grumpy old Luther, as you, can, if you could tell. It makes, me no, uh, makes no more difference to me if he is or he or his accursed fanatics, excuse me, fang, faction of fanatics, Zwinglians and the like, praise or scold me more than the Jews 
or if per, uh, Turks and Pope and actually all the devils in the world scold and praise me. All right, so here's the point. Again, I'm just going to read the beginning of this. So, um, it's actually a really helpful little work, even though Luther's pretty grumpy. Since my death is now imminent, I want to take this testimony and this honor along with me before my dear Lord and Savior Jesus Christ's judgment seat, that I have earnestly condemned and rejected the fanatics and enemies of the sacrament. Karlstadt, Zwingli, Oklimpadius, Stinkfeld, actually he misspells it intentionally, Stinkfeld, and their disciples at Zurich, and wherever they are according to his command. That is Titus chapter 3. Quote, as for a man who is factious, after admonishing him once or twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is perverted and sinful, he is self-condemned. They have been admonished often enough and also earnestly enough by me and others. The books are extant. In addition, we continue uh, to preach against their blasphemous and deceitful heresy daily, as they know full well. On this account, it seems very strange to me, and it makes me uneasy that Schwinkfeld has become so frank and bold in approaching me with writings and books because he knows, or at least should know, that he is my unreconciled enemy. First of all, there is the matter of the Holy Sacrament, which in the province of Cilicia he represented as mere bread and wine and thus misled many thousands of souls. He has not repented, but as Solomon says, he rejoices in evil things, and there it is, Proverbs 2, as if he had done well. And still, he thinks that Luther should welcome his letters and books. He hopes in this way to foster the false idea that Luther is in complete agreement with Schwingfeld and the fanatics, and has recanted everything, for they are exchanging letters and books with one another like good friends, etc. Right? To be sure, I have often told that the fanatics were boasting that I was in agreement with them, but I refused to believe it because none of them was willing to admit it publicly in writing. However, in this way, I was supposed to be confirmed in my believing it before becoming aware of what was happening. All right, and then he just goes into all sorts of historic um, expo- uh, exposition all right, about um, what these people were saying about him and the supposed agreement that they had. It is interesting, again, that um, the way of wisdom is simply to receive the words that come from Jesus' mouth, and no more or no less. And everyone that Luther listed there, Karlstadt, who was from Wittenberg but fled to the Swiss, um, Zwingli, who was a Swiss, Oklimpadius as well, um, and Stinkfeld, um, who had been at Wittenberg and also left, that these, um, they thought that Luther didn't go far enough in going or returning to God's word, they thought he should go farther. And um, Luther describes this as falling off the other side of the horse, right? To fall off to one side is to be in Rome, to fall off on the other side is to be um, in this um, more reformed flame flavor of um, going too far as well, away from God's word, but in rejecting what God's word says, right? So uh, on Thanksgiving, (laughs) here's the connection, that what we're trying to retain right, is what God has given us. What, what, is, what would he have as treasure? And that's his word, right? It's the way of wisdom. It's to be preserved. We don't add to it and we don't take away from it, right? We stay on the path, if you like, equity in every good path with righteousness and justice. That's what it means to walk uprightly. That's what it means to come to knowledge and understanding. Um, that's what it means to fear the Lord and to have the knowledge of God, is to confess what God gives you to confess from his word, no more and no less either, right? crying out for discernment, lifting up our voices for understanding, right? Whereas the immoral woman who flatters with her words 
right? That's a false wisdom that would be uh, like a Sophia as in a, um, an adulteress, right? That's trying to draw one away from the path and away from goodness um, to send um, on a crooked way, right? With perversity and delighting in evil and in the way of darkness, speaking perverse things, perverting God's word. Um, so, if there's anything to be thankful for, there's many things, and you heard them all in the sermon last night, um, think of the conclusion of that sermon, that we are most thankful for what the gift of Christ, um, who died to forgive us our sins, and then who delivers that forgiveness of sins in a Christian congregation. Um, I had someone thank me for being their pastor on the way out. That's I was very appreciative of that. Um, and I'm thankful of having a congregation who will receive God's word. Right? What more could we ask for? That God, but that God deliver um, forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation to us in his church. All right. And then uh, we'll look at the gospel text. I didn't actually preach on it last night, which is kind of rare for me, but on occasions I, I uh, might preach something more topical, like we had last night, um, giving thanks according to the three articles of the creed, as confessed in our catechism. Um, but here's the gospel text, and we'll talk a little bit about it. Because uh, this one is used frequently in our confessional writings. Luke 12. Then one of the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Good point. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and goods, my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. Well, that sounds like Thanksgiving. <laughs> but God said to him, fool, this uh, night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. All right. So that last statement, laying up treasure for himself, uh, obviously should be understood in light of verse 15 bewaring of covetousness, that life does not consist in the abundance of the things, material, body and life things, um, that one possesses. But actually, life consists in being in, in the richness of God, right? And what God provides for, for, not just for temporal life, right? But for eternal life. You might look a little bit more broadly at the context. Let me pull that up. Uh, Luke 12. Um, listen to this. Uh, a little bit earlier, Jesus says, well, he's speaking about forgiveness, actually. And he says, where is it? Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God, but the very hairs of your head are numbered. Do not fear, therefore, since you are of more value than the sparrows. So there are already, we're seeing at the beginning of the chapter, this idea of it was what is valuable um, to God and there, thereby what is valuable for the Christian. Um, okay, then we have this parable of the rich fool. And then we also have, after this story, we have don't worry about your life, what you will eat, what, uh, nor about your body and what you will put on. You know that story. We hear that every summer. 
right? Do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But here's maybe really the answer to that last verse. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief uh, approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. All right? So that's the next story. Then it's keep your lamps burning. Right? And that's the one about talking about hearing hearing God's word so that you're, that you're prepared for the day of judgment. Right? And then we have the wise and faithful steward. Right? Who, uh, what, what did he do? Uh, let's see. Who then is faith, the faithful and wise steward, whom his master will make ruler of his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. He will make him ruler over all he has. All right? So we have all these, uh, parable, not parable, but uh, text after text, all in chapter 12, about, you know, what, what is this treasure? What is it that Christ would have us um, be most thankful for on this day? And of course, it's it's not the material gifts. He actually cautions us from looking at material gifts um, as um, the indication of his love for us, um, of his mercy, and of his grace. He wants us to look to his son and to the gifts that his son delivers to us by his spirit, to know that, and both to know his love, to know his grace and mercy, um, and then for us to treasure more than anything else. I'm always reminded of Luther's um, stanza in a mighty fortress, right? Take they, this is the last stanza, I think, take they, goods, fame, child, and wife, though these all be gone, the victory has been won, the kingdom ours remaineth. Right? Exactly. Take everything else. Take all the material things, even our very own life, and but you cannot take, to quote uh, Braveheart, our freedom, that is, our freedom in Christ. All right. As I said, this is used... Um, I would say uh, extensively in the Lutheran Confessions. I'll give you a few of those. Um, but it all, uh, let's see, what do they have to do with? They have to do mostly with the possession statement. Um, but there is actually one use that's regarding the the statement Jesus makes about who made me a judge or arbitrator over you. All right, so what does it mean? Uh, what, what does this have to do with church authority, right? Is Christ the judge or not? Listen to uh, what the uh, Augsburg Confession says. On church authority. Therefore, the church's authority and the state's authority must not be confused. The church's authority has its own commission to teach the gospel and to administer the sacraments. Let it not break into the office of another. Let it not transfer the kingdoms of the world to, to itself. Let it not abolish the laws of civil rulers. Let it not abolish lawful obedience. Let it not interfere with judgments about civil ordinances and contracts. Let it not dictate laws to civil authorities about the form of society. As Christ says, my kingdom is not of this world. Also, who made me judge and arbitrator over you? Paul also says, our citizenship is in heaven, and the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Right? So, uh, Christ rules upon the earth, right? But this, uh, but he rules by way of his kingdom, which is the church, which is not seen, Right? Um, it's visibly manifested in congregations, preachers and hearers, but um, it's a kingdom that is not of this world, as he says to Pilate. It's a kingdom that will be ushered in on the last day, um, sight to sight. So all the other kingdoms of this world serve only to for the uh, alien work of God, that is to, um, to punish evildoers and to reward those who do good. 
Right? And so uh, the Augsburg Confession is very concerned about the, the mixture of church and state and basically the church running the world, right, as the papacy was doing at the, at the time of the Reformation, and even more so actually after the Reformation, um, because there it confuses law and gospel. The church is there to, as it said, to teach the gospel and minister the sacraments, right? Um, but if it's also bearing another sword and being the, uh, the civil disciplinarian, it can confuse that message. All right, so that's helpful with that statement, who may be judge and arbitrator. Uh, but we should talk about uh, material things. And for this, we'll look at the first commandment, you shall have no other gods. Many a person thinks that he has God and everything in abundance when he had, has money and possessions. Many a person thinks that he has God and everything in abundance when he has money and possessions. Right? So again, beware of um, stuff, right? He trusts in them and boasts about them with such firmness and assurance as to care for no one. Such a person has a God by the name of mammon, that is money or possessions as it's translated from Matthew 6, on which he sets all his heart. This is the most common idol on earth. All right, so today on Thanksgiving, beware of making a God out of mammon, of the stuff, the abundance um, that one possesses. Even giving thanks to that, well, who are we giving thanks to? Uh, to God, right? God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as we heard in the sermon, and then by extension, uh, well, how do we give, how ought we give thanks to God for his Son or for his Spirit, right? Who is our greatest treasure. He who has money and possessions feels secure, like the, the man in our parable, and is joyful and undismayed as though he were sitting in the midst of paradise. On the other hand, he who has no money doubts and is despondent as though he knew no God. For very few people can, can be found who are of good cheer and who neither mourn nor complain if they lack mammon. This care and desire for money sticks and clings to our nature right up to the grave. So true, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so uh, maybe give it all away on Giving Tuesday. <laughs> That's next week, Tuesday. Um, or, uh, or just spend it all tomorrow uh, on Neighbors in Need on, with Black Friday sales, I guess. Not on yourself, but on your neighbor, maybe. All right. Uh, more from the first commandment. Reflect for yourself or investigate and tell me. Those who have used all their care and diligence to gather great possessions and wealth, what have they finally gained? You will find that they have wasted their toil and labor, even though they have amassed great treasures. They have been dispersed and scattered, right? Just like in our parable. So they teach themselves, or they themselves, excuse me, have never found happiness in their wealth, and afterward, it never reached the third generation. And that's actually true. It's very, it's very rare that um, wealth that's been generated is maintained past the third or fourth generation, which I think um, Luther would suggest indicates that it's actually a manifestation of the sin of mammon. Thank, thankfully, the Lord brings it to an end after a few generations. He just simply spent it all, and then it's gone. All right, uh, in another place, the seventh commandment, which has to do with theft, right? Luther writes this, large catechism, No more shall all the rest prosper who change the open free market into a flesh pit of extortion and a den of robbery, where the poor are daily overcharged and where new burdens and high prices are imposed. Everyone there uses the market according to his whim. He is even defiant and brags as though it were his fair privilege and right to sell his goods for as high a price as he pleases, and no one has, no one had a right to say a word against it. We will indeed look on and let these people skin, pinch, and hoard. But we will trust in God, who will do the following. 
After you have been skinning and scraping for a long time, he will pronounce such a blessing on your grains that your grain in your silo, your beer in your cellar, and your cattle in the stalls shall perish. Right? Friend. <laughs> what does he say? Not who made me judge an arbitrator over you. Um, fool, the night your soul will be required of you. And then whose will these things be that you have provided? Right? See the picture? <laughs> Fool, your soul will be required to you. And all these things, whose will they be? Will they be your children? No. Will they be their children's? Well, yeah, maybe. But, but ultimately, they all perish. Isn't that something with that picture? Okay. So what's the point in amassing all these things? And even being thankful for them, if it is not to use them, right? All right. Yeah. Yes. When you have cheated and overcharged anyone for even a florin, your entire pile of wealth shall be consumed with rust so that you never or you shall never enjoy it. All right. So Luther also has in mind there um, what we used to call usury, um, which is one of the reasons why he was so vehemently opposed um, to the banking class, uh, which happened to be a particular ethnic group at his time, uh, even to this day. And uh, so he gets a lot of flack for for his ethnic slurs, but uh, has to do with the way that they used um, and abused the market in order to uh, fleece people um, of their farewell, of fair income, what they had worked for, rather than uh, simply lending uh, without interest, for example, or with a, a, just a moderate income, uh, interest. All right. So wealth, um, wisdom, and uh, thanksgiving, kind of, they all really actually do come, to, come together today on this day. And we'll look at some more text tomorrow to help us through this as well. All right, our hymn for the week is Wake, Awake, for Night is Flying. good let us 
pray. Heavenly Father, you hallow your name among us when your word is taught in its truth and purity, and we as your dear children also lead holy lives according to it. We give thanks to you for the gift of your word, for our pastors and parents and others who teach it, and for the holy lives of all your faithful Christians who live according to it. Forgive us for the many ways in which we profane your holy name among us by failing to teach your word and its truth and purity, and we pray for our pastors and teachers to or to lead holy lives. Protect us from false doctrine and evil living. Help all who are called to teach and preach your word to do so with faithfulness. And grant us to receive your word rightly, that our lives may be made holy by it. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We pray. Lord Jesus, Alpha and Omega, in your suffering and death you were making all things new, and from that tree you brought your work of redemption to an end by declaring, It is finished. Be our beginning and our end, that our weeping now at your table here below may prepare us to feast at your heavenly banquet, where you will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and death will be no more. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray, O Lord, absolve your people from their offenses, that from the bonds of our sins, which by reason of our frailty we have brought upon ourselves, we may be delivered by your bountiful goodness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for... Thursday, for the church and her pastors, for missionaries, teachers, deaconesses, musicians, and other servants of Christ in his church, for the fruitful and salutary use of the blessed sacrament of the Lord's body and blood. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We give thanks today with Alexis and William, who celebrate their birthdays, with Russ and Grayson, who celebrate their baptism, with the households of our church, especially the families of Michael and Michelle, Timothy and Kim, Norm and Donna, David and Sherry, Jason and Nicholas. Pray for our catechumens, Christopher, uh, Christian, Wyatt, Aaliyah, Lydia, Charlie, Kaylee, and Kimberly. Pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Joe, Kelsey, Walt, Christopher, Dan, Brad, and Ron, Marla, Betty, Pat, Merlin, and Heidi. Pray for our homebound, Bev, Ed, Mickey, Paul, and Pauline. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially that of the Federowitz families. We pray in intercession for the government and those under authority. And we pray with the family and friends of Willis who grieve his death. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
All right. I hope you have a blessed Thanksgiving. For those of you who watch live, it's good to have you here. I see um, Don and Karen, Gus and Eileen, Karen and Lori. Those of you who watch uh, later in the day, watch on platforms that I don't have in the chat, Odyssey, for example. It's good you have, to have you with us as well. And uh, I hope you have a blessed Thanksgiving. Uh, you can join us again tomorrow as we'll continue um, looking at this at some Thanksgiving texts. Uh, so tomorrow, Philippians 4 and more wisdom literature from Proverbs 3. All right. So God be with you all. Keep you safe. I hope you have a blessed day. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.